Listeners, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have Jimmy Doyle on the show to help us unpack the feeling triad. Jimmy, as a three, will help us explore how twos, threes, and fours interact with the world. Enjoy. Cassie, I have a very important question for you today. Oh, this will be fun. What do you What do you enjoy more, the fall or the spring? Or is there another season that is your favorite? Ooh, okay. I quick answer: prefer fall over spring. Very good. You uh, don't have to say anything else. Okay, I agree one hundred percent. No, and. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Fall used to be my favorite season, and then I met my husband, and his favorite season is summer. And I was like, what? It's hot and sticky, and right? I, I have all these reasons for fall. But after six years of marriage, he has tra- he's changed me. I do think summer is the most fun. Summer is the most fun. Yeah, but I don't know. I love the long days of summer, but then it turns into fall, and you're just like cool air, and you just feel more productive. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the fall. In fact, it got just a little chilly this week, and I've already pulled out my fall clothes. <laughs> I'm already wearing long sleeves and sweaters. And we have a wonderful guest today, and I want to ask him the same question. Love it. Uh, JD, um, how, how are you today? Fantastic. Good. Um, you've had quite the morning, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But what about you? Do you like fall or spring better? Fall. And, uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Is, is fall your favorite season? Um. Summer's my favorite, but I like fall over spring. Summer is your favorite? Mm -hmm. I thought that's what was that not the question? (laughs) All the questions. I ask you between two seasons because I assume that everybody only has two seasons that they like, and that's fall or spring. (laughs) Um, But you like summer, and so does Cassie. I'm outnumbered. Um, So let's move on because I honestly don't know what (laughs) I'm talking about. Fall is great, though. I'm just really happy. I absolutely love fall. I am excited about going to uh, an orchard soon. And yes. yeah, so uh, we're we're talking about the Enneagram today again. Yes, this is our last episode to go over the Enneagram triads. So today we have the heart and feeling triad, which is our twos, our threes, and our fours. So we have brought back Jimmy Doyle as our loyal guest, and he is a three. So we're going to dive in a little bit to the things that shape this triad and... Um, Jimmy's perspective of what it's like as a three. For sure. Let's let's talk about that really quick. What uh, give us the perspective of this triad and the main um, the main indicators of maybe just really quick each number. Yeah. So the twos, the threes, the fours, they are going to engage in life and in circumstances through their feelings. This doesn't mean that other numbers don't use feelings, but it means that the feelings is the primary force behind their actions, their thoughts, the why behind what they do, which is the whole purpose of the Enneagram is the why. And so for this triad, it's their feelings. Their emotional struggle is shame. And so um, this also can play out the reverse of that, the common desire. Jimmy, do you have shame? (laughs) Shame. Jimmy reacted to that. Um, The common desire is wanting significance and identity. And how they go about that is different for each number. So the threes, Jimmy, focuses on wanting significance by achieving what they what he can accomplish, what threes can, um, maybe that's like a title, maybe that's a position. Twos want significance by someone deeming them significant. So the two is the helper. They always want to do things for others so that others say, hey, I, I value you. I, I think you're significant in that way. Fours want to be significant in their individuality. They want to be creative and unique, and they don't want anyone to be like them. They believe that to find significance, they have to be on their own and their own thing, and it's really challenging for them. They feel shame when they feel like they're either creating something or 
are similar to somebody else. So, so, so Jimmy feels shame when? When he can't achieve. So when there's a goal that he set in mind and it's, he either is not able to, to reach it or he feels like he's holding himself back from reaching it. That makes, so, that makes just a lot of sense. Uh, with with how you function, Jimmy, um, because uh, there's a lot of times whenever if you feel like we have not achieved something, or if you are if you are the person that is ultimately responsible for something, you worry yourself to death and stress over it. And I'm like, hey, chill out, not a big deal. But you you really take it serious. I do all of those things, and 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 when it's we too, like if yes. we're all working on something we don't yeah, achieve, yeah. I feel the same feelings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay. And speaking of feelings, you had you had a, a let's talk about your morning. You had an interesting breakfast. I had a poor experience at breakfast. Y- yes, in, in the hotel. You're, this you're morning. staying in a hotel in Lexington. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, I'm not going to say where. Okay, I'm staying in a hotel in Lexington. Yep. And um, it's all weird now with COVID, so you can't eat in the hotels. So, um, but they did grab and go this morning, which sounds like you just grab. Grab and go. And go. You grab your stuff, you eat so it I, in the way. Yeah. So I walk down and, it, 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 you know, really sparse setup. There's a table with a, a basket of oranges and a guy standing there with a mask on. Just behind the basket of oranges? Behind the basket So of grab and go is just oranges? I guess. Um, and maybe I was early, but uh, so he, I, I walked up and I said, hey, do you have any bananas? It sounds like I'm setting up a joke, but I'm not. <laughs> Uh, he said, yeah, let me grab you one. So he walks back to get one, and I see the oranges. I was like, I'm going to get an orange too. So I, Of course. There was a couple oranges that looked a little smushed, didn't look like they were good. So I was like, kind of looking through the oranges, and I picked one out. And he walks back and, and catches me with my hands in the oranges. And he, was, and he catches said— Catches me with my hands in the, the oranges. oranges. Good. And he said, you're not supposed to touch those. And um, then he starts to go into this big spill of, you know, for COVID, you know, we do this so people don't touch these so they don't cause a COVID and stuff. And I was like, I understand the purpose. And uh, it was, there was a bunch of people behind me, so it was really embarrassing. And then I, I finished by saying, thanks for embarrassing me in front of all these people. And then I just took an orange out and walked away. <laughs> he just took an orange out and dropped the mic and left. Oh, but, wow, um, Jimmy. Okay, so uh, you're three. What were you feeling in that moment? Embarrassment. Yeah. Shame. 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 Gosh. Yeah. That's what I was feeling. Because he was making you feel less than. Yeah. And stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that makes sense. Yeah. So in terms of how this, how your number plays out, we, we've talked about this, um, before with you, um, in quite detail. I don't remember what episode that is. But we've had a, a pretty good conversation. I think it might be called something about um, like best friends or something probably. like that. Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, because you and I are I'm like I'm still best. trying to achieve that goal. I mean, yes. you know. You feel shame whenever you just like think about friends. like best friends. Um, but you also said that you have tested really close to being a one. Cassie, what, what would be the, the significance of someone who tests? And I've heard this before. Um, someone who says, well, I've tested really strongly for two numbers. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? And what is the significance of Jimmy testing for three? You've always tested like stronger for three, like your score's higher for three. Uh, just an inch higher than, than yeah. a one every time I've taken it, but it's always come out. But the three one is right on, there. But, but one is like right every single time, it, yeah. which is a totally different triad, which is the gut triad. Yes. Well, uh, what's, what's significant about that? Well, when you are testing, obviously, 
tests can help gear you in a certain direction, but really researching each number is how you're really going to know, yes, that is spot on for me. And we, I have found that when people are finding their numbers, if they are getting closer, there are certain things that resonate and they're like, oh man, yeah. And even just before we started recording, Jimmy, I was talking about how you operate from your feelings and your question was, wait, doesn't everybody operate from their feelings? And that it kind of gives you an idea of like, if you know you're in your home spot when you're, you're feeling at home. And so threes and ones are very common mistypes on the Enneagram. Nines also have a tendency to mistype because as a peacemaker, they can see themselves in a lot of different ways. And so they're like, oh, I can see myself as that. But threes and ones are actually a very hard mistype. And this happens because we have lots of different influences in our life. Sometimes it's the people we're around. Sometimes it's the certain situation. If we're under a lot of stress, like if we have a stressful relationship in our life or stress at work, that can also help, um, not help, but that can push us towards one of those different directions right. that we're on um, in the shape. And so all of that has different factors for sometimes confusing test results. Because again, a test is just trying to help narrow and and guide you in the right direction for threes and ones what i had asked jimmy when we were talking about this is a really easy deciding factor is for ones they have that internal critic that is constantly Mm -hmm. berating them and it is it is like a voice a very loud voice and we all are we all have um times when we're hard on ourselves and we're like oh man bummer i should have done this but a one has this critic nonstop. even if you do something good there's still this voice in your head going like, well, it wasn't really that good or it could have been better. And so that's an easy question to ask when I asked Jimmy, do you have that voice? You said, not really. No. no. And so if, if you have it, you know, you have it. I remember when I first like read that about the one, I was like, oh, what do you mean? Nobody else has like, not everybody right. has this voice. So that's an easy deciding factor. Mm. Threes and ones are very similar too, because ones are trying to reach a perfection and threes are trying to achieve success. And so a lot of times, especially in today's culture, especially in America, that can be um, with that American dream, it can look very similar. So those mistype, but a quick, easy way is to typically ask yourself, do you feel like you have that inner critic? Yeah. And Jimmy, in terms of achieving success, how do you think that um, motivates you on a daily basis? Like how do you view like your projects or the, your role in the company, um, in terms of achieving success and then talk about failure a little bit when you fail, how do you respond to that? Um, let's talk about failure first. Cause I think failure sticks out more to me than we, we have a lot of, I feel like I'm working on a lot of different things and we all work on a lot of different things and, yep. and getting something done is very fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, failure, however, is like a total. If, if I if I mess something up completely, it's I take I, I take it pretty hard. I'm pretty hard on myself about it and get upset with myself about it. But I'm not an inner critic along the way of doing mm-hmm. something. But it, it is mm-hmm. failures are a lot more memorable than successes are for me. Mm-hmm. And in in terms of like when you fail or when something doesn't go exactly how it was planned. How do you, what is the best way for a superior or someone, a coworker to respond to you in that moment? How, like you and me in the dynamic, sometimes I might say something that makes you feel even worse mm-hmm. um, and you have an external critic. Uh, and then sometimes I might say something that makes you feel better. What are those, what's what's the difference between those? Like, what do you need in those moments? I, I, I think if, if I'm responsible for the failure, it's, 
it's different than if the, if something's just not going the way I want it to go. Hmm. Um, I'm okay with things going different. They don't have to go exactly the way I want them to go. But I've, I, there was a point in my life, earlier in my life, where I wanted things to be exactly how I wanted them to be. Um, I think over the past five years or so, I've come to be a little more understanding that there's other ways to do things other than just the way I do them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, though, if, if, if I'm failing the best thing for someone to do is probably just not talk to me about it. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just let me kind of process it and I'll be fine. It's not, I, I'm not, I don't think if this is a three or one or whatever, but I, I don't know, but I don't like dwell on it for eternity. Mm. You know, once I get over it, I get over it. You're done. Yeah. Just that may be a male, female thing. <laughs> I, I may be stepping out of bounds. On that You're one. totally <laughs> stepping out of bounds. Dog. I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like guys can like punch each other mm-hmm. and have a fight and then be like, what's up, bro? Yeah. I mean, we get it. It's cool. And you can go on. Mm-hmm. But if I have an argument with my significant other, that can last a, a long time. Like it's it, like I can five minutes later be like, okay, cool, we're done. And I'm like trying to get her to laugh. And she's like, I don't operate like that. I need two hours or I need to talk to you tomorrow or whatever. And I, I do think there's something maybe in that dynamic that's, yeah. that's different. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm not a scientist or a psychologist or a sociologist, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Just personal experience. And it could just be me that's triggering well, everybody. It's not just you, but that is a that is a typical thing for eights to, to address the anger and address the issue and then be like, okay, we talked about it. It's out in the open. It's also similar for threes. Y- you both have a lot of force. Um, you're some of the more forceful numbers on the Enneagram because you don't dwell on it, Jimmy, because there's no progress in dwelling and you're looking for progress for the next thing. Mm. So even though it's That's a bummer, cool. it didn't work out, your brain operates in a way through the lens of your number, it operates in a way that says, okay, well, we can't achieve that, so it's dead. And then eventually you just got to, like, jump ship. It's like, well, the ship's already going down, so let's find a different ship I can keep running forward. And so dwelling doesn't help you achieve success, even though it's a bummer. It is cool to hear you say, though, that over the years it's gotten better, that you don't have to control it as much. Right. And that shows a lot of growth in your number as well. Well, It seems like you fit really well in the entrepreneurial world of failure because failing fast, moving on, failing fast, moving Mm -hmm. on. And I think over the last five years, you've worked with us and we're very much like that. Like, who cares? (laughs) We failed. Let's move on. We opened this business. Oh, it didn't work. We closed it. Mm -hmm. We, we learn and hopefully pivot in some way and grow. And I think you've adapted well because your mentality is that if you're not achieving something and not going somewhere, you're fine to move on yeah. and, and start something new. Yeah, and I think I think we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should totally download and listen to it. Um, <laughs> we were talking. I was talking about that. I wasn't really great at any kind of like hobbies, and I just like. Oh yeah, I would get efficient at it enough, and then lose attention to it because I felt like I got to a point where I couldn't. I couldn't really. I didn't get more satisfaction out of it because I wouldn't get any better at it. So I would just like move on to something else. Yeah. Well, because the goal wasn't perfection for you. The goal was getting the skill and then moving on to something new. Yeah. Mm. So you kind of answered this, Jason kind of answered this for you a little bit too, but through the lens of being (laughs) a three and the little, and you know, you said you're not, you don't know a ton about the Enneagram, but you know enough about yourself through this to be able to kind of help some self-awareness. What do you think your strengths or struggles are in the workforce as a three? Um, I think, I think my strengths is that I can, 
I can handle a lot of projects at the same time. I can juggle quite a bit of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, My weaknesses are at times I have to do projects with other people that might Mm want to control a little bit more than what I do and trying to ease back and not just take control of something and say that this is the way we should do it because I think this is the best way to do it kind Mm -hmm. of a scenario um, has been a struggle of mine, I think, particularly with Jason Thompson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, no, I wasn't talking about no, me. No, no. I just, I, I think that that's probably what I struggle with or that if something like I've gotten better at over the years, but if like something's not going wrong and I can see it early on, that's very frustrating for mm-hmm. me um, because I do want it to go well. I do yeah. want everything that we work on to go well. So. So talking team dynamics, what has helped or been an obstacle for you? You said, I mean, with working with others, but in particular reporting to someone or leading a team. You know, I think, I I think in my mind, I don't think about like what it's like the dynamics of reporting to others as much as I think about the people Mm -hmm. that rely on me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at at, at a certain point, with the reporting to others thing, I think you did a point where you're just like working with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and it's nothing seem like the dynamic. There is a point that the dynamic changes. Um, as far as from the, you know, the folks that are like reporting to me or mm-hmm. that they're relying on me. What was the question again, Cassie? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Just team got, di- no, you're fine. Team dynamics. Um, oh. Like through the lens of being a three, how do you feel that works? Like, is there certain types of people you work better with or um, yeah, especially I, I think I, Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely work people that will follow direction mm-hmm. better. Um, and I don't mean that in a... People in a, under you. Yes, that okay. will follow direction mm-hmm. better. Um, that some, there's times when there's times when I just want to take control of something and, and if people can pick up on that and like go with it, yeah. unless there's like I'm heading in a wrong direction, which I definitely would want somebody to tell me. Um, I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if... if that's not picked up. That's a struggle for me mm-hmm. to like, hey, we're going to do it my way kind of. A, yeah. Does that sound bad? No. no it's it a safe place. That's I, don't, I don't think it's, it's not, not at all. It's a safe place. Everybody's going to listen to this. But uh, I, I don't think that sounds bad at all. I think that I get exactly what you're saying because there's times when we're working together on a project and I can tell that you are very passionate about a very particular way and I don't care or it's not that big of a deal for me. So I step back and I'm just like, Whatever you, whatever direction you I love that about you, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Except the times whenever I do care and I'm like, no, I don't want to pick up on that. I think, I think I can pick up on that and and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think we've learned that dynamic really well as a team. It is. It's a dance. And what I meant by is a safe place. Jimmy and I are dancing? Well, kind of. (laughs) Well, maybe a little two step. Um, (laughs) What I meant by safe place is that all Enneagram numbers are glorious in our own way. We need Mm. all of them. We need everybody's individual personalities and there's not one um, I think too, like in the sphere of entrepreneurship, threes, eights, they get a little bit more, um, even fours with their creative, like their creativity, they kind of get this like higher moral ground, quote unquote, because those personalities thrive really well mm. in this type of atmosphere. But just like you said, you, Jimmy, you need someone who's able to pick it up and run with you. And so there's a lot of other personality types that would be perfect number twos, as you would say, to help you achieve your goal mm. or to help you, Jason, like you don't want to get in the details. You just want to keep charging forward. Right. Like, you need a Corey who's a number right. one to right. help with the details. And so it's safe to talk about the Enneagram because it's never saying, well, well 
that that one child, that one number is like the redheaded mm-hmm. stepchild. Like that's not. There's no. There's no way of that. Okay. So last yep. question that I have for you is advice or thoughts for anyone who maybe hasn't done any self awareness work or is just in the beginning of self awareness um, work in the workplace. Gosh, yeah. I think I think everybody. There's all kinds of self awareness tests to take. Mm-hmm. I find Enneagram probably the easiest one to that you can use personally, not just at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I get more satisfaction out of knowing what other people's numbers are and like what their personality is like than I'd probably get on my own. I like being self-aware, but um, it's good to know if what someone is, if you're working with them or, mm. or living with them or whatever, um, f- to just know how to approach things yeah. to get what you want. That's a three thing to say. Want. Want. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, I, like I'll, I'll give you an example. We, I was talking about maybe with, I can't remember who I was talking this morning about, but you, you, you don't like to be managed. You, you don't were like to be about told. This with yes. Someone? Okay. You're talking about you, And there, and it was Caitlin who was talking to yep. And she was like, well, how do you approach that? I was like, well, I, when I need something from Jason, I approach it that I need help with mm-hmm. this instead of being like, Hey, we need to do this. I come at you because I know that you don't like to be told, Hey, we got to do this kind of a situation, but, but you are very helpful when it, you know, if you knew I need help, you're not going to let me like, right. But, but as a, as an eight, those, uh, and I don't know if this is as an eight, but as my personality, if I trust you, then, um, if you're on different levels. So if, uh, someone on a lower level comes to me and says, we have to do this, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. uh, no. But mm-hmm. if you came to me and said, we have to do this, it's not that I'm not going to push back or whatever. I probably will 90% of the time just say, okay. Yeah. Um, and the same for like probably director level, if uh, at the respect level that they have, that they've shown, they've proven themselves. If they say, oh, we've got to do this, I'm going to say, okay. But where I have a problem is whenever you haven't proven yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do think that kind of works within the lens of being an eight because you don't necessarily have to be the boss of everybody, but you don't want anybody to be the boss of you. Right. No one. It you're it's like fine. (laughs) No one. (laughs) You're it's fine to help someone, (laughs) and it's fine to say like I can respect your position of authority, but don't exert your authority over me. Yeah. And so. Yeah. That makes sense. I I feel like Jimmy just told the world how to manipulate me. (laughs) No, it's how to work well with you. That's, you know, because it is. It's how we phrase things. (laughs) No, and here's what I heard. I want somebody to try this on Jason (laughs) and then email me the results. Here's here's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I heard. I heard Jimmy say, I have this thing that I really want to do. Um, in order to get Jason behind it, I have to ask him for help. And then unbeknownst to him, he will be helping me do something that I wanted to do. But he wouldn't have done it if I would have said at I the beginning, would have done I want to do this. I think he would have done done it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I just see how what I did there. Sorry about no, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can't underestimate that the way we approach something is really important because it's respectful when you say, I'm going to phrase this or like, I know that there's certain times with certain people that it's not a good time to ask a question. Sure. So you just hold on to your question, even if it's 24 hours, because that's showing respect to someone else. And they may have responded differently depending on when you ask or how you ask. And so I think that is the that is one of the beauties of self-awareness in relationships, but self-awareness in the workplace is the goal, we're a machine, and the goal is to be a well-operating machine that moves 
forward. And mm-hmm. so the best way to be a useful cog in the machine, and a, a, not a cog, but a useful part of a healthy machine is to play well with all the other parts of the machine. And so if, if there's a little bit of self-awareness or awareness of others that you think like, hmm, Monday's probably not a good day for this, but Tuesday would be better. Sure. And then Tuesday is better for Jason, and then it rolls into a healthier response all the way down the line. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. It, you know, because it's right. just res- it's respectful and it's helpful and it's productive. So I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with knowing how to ask or approach a question. So I'll be waiting for an email from Caitlin uh, about something that she's been wanting to do. <laughs> I need help. help. <laughs> and Jason's now going to have like a filter on email. It's like the word help is going to be like. Mm. I just blew it for everybody. It'll just, like, the reply will be automatic and it'll just be ha, 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 ha. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, thank you, Jimmy. No, this, this is really good. I, I agree. I think that understanding how people function and understanding like what it even triggers, I think triggers in the past um, play a big role. And even as you were talking about, uh, and we asked this question to everyone about when did, you know, do you have advice for people as they're growing in their own self-awareness? There's probably a time, there is a time when we were all not self-aware, like mm. the, the three of us sitting here talking and not that we're like super self-aware now, but there was probably a time whenever we were acting in a way that was like completely disastrous um, and probably disrupted a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, why are you shaking your head? I, I've been self-aware ever since I've known you uh, well, well before. I'm just joking. But I, I do think that it's so, so important and understand the people around you and uh, even how they function. I think even on in this, uh, we can we, we can end, uh, we can land this plane, but I think even on a personal level, you say, like maybe Monday's not better, maybe Tuesday is. But I also think if you know the people that you're working with well, like you should on a personal level, Mm -hmm. and the culture is what it is supposed to be, and you're caring for them as human beings, Mm -hmm. then um, I do not want to go to you and ask you something very hard if you're already having a hard day Mm -hmm. in your life. Or maybe you are having this hard thing that you're going through, and I can... I can pat it in some way mm-hmm. and help out in a different way because I know you and I understand you. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of this is just like getting to know the people you work with mm-hmm. um, and getting to know them well. Know yourself, know others. And I think that's a, a perfect dynamic uh, for a team and mm-hmm. culture. Yeah, so. absolutely. And that's why tools are helpful. Exactly. It gives you a common language. It doesn't have to yep. be the Enneagram, but... It yeah. gives you a common language for right. knowing each other. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing. Well, thanks, Jimmy, for taking the time. Thank you, guys. Love your new mustache. It's Thanks. Really nice. It looks it looks amazing. We'll put a picture <laughs> on it uh, on on the podcast somewhere. Have a good day. See you later. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you found this series encouraging and useful. That's it for season one of Orange Perspective. We've enjoyed making these episodes, and I hope you have enjoyed listening. We will see you soon for season two. Goodbye.